Welcome to the Hingham Cast. I'm your host, Allie Donnelly. I was a longtime reporter for NECN and NBC Boston, but now I'm saving a ton of money on lipstick and telling stories in this new way. We're called the Hingham Cast because we're hyper-local, looking at the pandemic, politics, and everything in between through the lens of one town, my town. But the issues we're exploring are unfolding in communities across the country. No matter who you voted for, a new administration is a turning of the page. And the bitterness, the heartache, the violence of this last year in particular has left us thinking about the country and community we want to live in. One, two, three, Three, four, five, five, six, seven, seven, eight, eight, nine, nine, ten. So we sat down with a half dozen people and asked them what they're hoping for in the year ahead. They weren't the only people we asked. Some turned us down, worried it might get too political, or if they shared their real feelings, people might get upset. I guess that's a lesson in listening. Hi, kiddo. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Let's start with 10-year-old Kimya Howell. She watched the inauguration with her mom and said it was kind of boring, but really cool. I'm Kamala Davy Harris, I solemnly swear. My name is Kimya Howell. I go to Foster Elementary School. My mom is Indian and my dad is white. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. I was very excited just to kind of be able to see the first female vice president in America. She's Indian and I'm also Indian, so it was just kind of special. What does that make you feel? I mean, being at the White House, having kind of a seat at the most powerful table, so to speak, um, in the world, really, what does that do to you? What does that make you think? It, it kind of feels like I can just do anything. Because her mom was an immigrant, and her mom didn't really expect her to be vice president. And I think it's just kind of amazing how she did become vice president. What do you want her to do with her time? I really want her to try to make it more equal rights, because I always hear about these stories, and they're really scary. Like what? Like the one with the officer who was put weight on his neck using his knee. George Floyd? Yeah, George Floyd. That was really scary. So what do you want Kamala Harris to be able to do about George Floyd? I want her to just kind of make it, like, clear to people that it's not okay and it shouldn't be happening. Do you think it matters that she's a person of color to solve those problems or to try to? I think it would definitely make it a little bit harder knowing the world we live in today. But she also is the vice president of America now, so that also makes it a bit easier. I cannot say that I've been more emotional watching something on television. I cried. I laughed. I cried a little bit more. Leadership looks like a woman now. My name is Michelle Larned. I've lived in Hingham for just over six years. And I am a social worker and senior master sergeant in the Air Force Reserves. There is still so much work to do, but today was a day that I, I felt really proud of us. I, I felt hope. We, we didn't have to wait to see if, if things were going to start to change. They've already started. The train is moving. And I'm excited to get on board and, and start doing whatever part I can. And what does that look like in 
your community? What does that look like in your smaller Hingham community? Now there there are gay people in leadership positions in our country. This year in itself has been so many firsts for that. And my life isn't, it's not about me being gay. I just happen to also be gay. Um, and I happen to also be living this life in Hingham with my wife and trying to impact the community and do good. It feels like there are less barriers. It feels like it's, it just is instead of something that's not normal. It just is. Part of the reason that, that we celebrate pride is because there is still so much fight to do to, to get these, to get to a place where people are in positions of power and people are safe. Mm. You know, I'm a part of the Hingham Pride Project. And last year we flew pride flags around town. Historically, when I would fly a pride flag, I would say, here's me, I'm the gay one living on the street. When we got our first flag, my wife was like, you're going to hang that in front of our house? Mm. I was like, I am. And she's like, aren't you afraid of hate crimes? Mm. And I was like, I wasn't until you just said that. (laughs) (laughs) No. But then as we started passing them out and people started flying them, it's not a sign that I'm the gay one. Now I'm just a part of a community because everyone is flying the flag. It doesn't feel like we're singling ourselves out now. Mm. How does that color what you think and how you feel about a small town? I think one of the things that I try to remind myself is that there are people who are silent, who are listening and still trying to decide what they think. But you have to to be thoughtful about what you say. And if you do that well and it comes from the heart, those people might come towards what I perceive as the side of human rights, the side of goodness and safety. And if we don't do that well, then people go the other direction. And and as people split from the middle further into the fringe, you know, that's when you see you see people who, you know, from my perspective, you know, from the capital insurrection, I don't think that all people are like that. I don't think the majority of people no. are like that. Yeah. We need to communicate better. Across the board, we need to communicate better. And I'm learning that more and more every single day because I am a white woman who lives in Hingham. That is what it is. And I think that I can just do my part to to make change here mm. and to talk to the silent middle. What a time, right? The time when we should really be having face-to-face conversations and then we have a pandemic. How do you come together? Because you, most people can't look another person in the face and say the things that you can say online. And so hopefully if we can get through this pandemic, then we can do that again and, and find a place that that we can all move forward. I mean, we don't all have to agree that's never going to happen. And frankly, we shouldn't. That's not how change gets made. Change gets made from disagreement, compromise. So if we can get through this and all sit at the table together, we'll make change in this community, change for the good. I want to take a quick break to ask if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and write us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And sign up for our newsletter to get a heads up when new episodes drop at thehinghamcast.com. Okay, 
Back to the conversation. This neighbor worried her patriotism could cause problems. One, two, three. My name is Marianne Blackmer. I have lived in Hingham for 34 years. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I can't remember. I've been here a long time. My husband and I own a magazine called The Social Magazine. I really am involved in the community. So many people may know me from working at the rec center many years ago or the Hingham 4th of July parade. Yeah, that's what I do. Awesome. What does it mean to you to have a new administration in the White House? It means a new start. My belief in the Constitution of the United States of America is very important to me. I just really think it's an incredible document. We are the longest continuous in-use Constitution in the world. Let that sink in. I am hoping that we get back to understanding that the people that are in office take an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. I do not have an oath to any politician or any person. So I'm hoping that we get back to that. And I'm hoping that we come together. I love that I don't have to agree with the person beside me, but I can still love them and have them be my neighbor or my friend or my family member. Um, that's what makes America so great. What do you think the fallout has been on a local level, like on a community level? Do you think the fabric has been frayed and what do we do? Yeah, I do think it's been frayed and I'm just not sure how it can be mended. I mean, I think people just need to respect the other person's point of view and it's not right or wrong. Nobody's right and nobody's wrong. I would hope that people can appreciate that they can live in a place that they can have differing opinions, that they can still go to the same grocery store, they can still be under the same town government, they can still go to town meeting together, that you know there are still so much so many more things that we can do together than apart. What do you think the work is that we need to do here locally as a community? That's a really good question. <laughs> There's so much you know, I'm not easily intimidated. Anybody that knows me, I'm I'm pretty forthcoming. And But I thought twice about, we have a big flag that actually covers the entire house. And I- You mean American flag. American flag. I'm so sorry. The American flag. And I was hesitant because I was like, I hope, I don't want this to be misconstrued. And then I thought, how can putting up the American flag in Hingham, Massachusetts be misconstrued? But it was just, there's so, so much anger out there that I don't know. I don't, I, I want people to maybe just come together and listen. I just want people to respect difference of opinions and find ways to get together as a community. People need to have conversations in person over coffee, over Zoom, one-on-one -on -one with somebody and I think that you'll find you have way more in common. We're all Americans. We all do believe in democracy. You want to know what's best. But at the end of the day, we're all just walking down the street, going to the bagel store, going to stop and shop, the fruit center, you know, saying hi to people. Like that's your everyday life. To put faces with voices, check out our page on the Hingham Anchor. Every week we post a new article and include behind the scenes extras. It's HinghamAnchor.com. Okay. Back to the conversation. One, two, three. Uh, my name is Mark Bowles. I'm the owner of a small business, a little outdoor lifestyle shop. I'm a dad of three daughters and a husband. 
How was the last year for you? This last year was a state of constant alert, but really just at the end of the day, it's it's been exhausting. Why do you say a state of being alert? What does that mean? I'd experienced a lot in my life with regards to explicit racism, whether or not that's being shouted racial epithets or being physically confronted, but it all seemed fairly manageable. Mm. But in particular, the past year, the sense that there was this permission from people to be even more explicit or hurtful or physically confrontational, it was at an all-time high. Mm. Yeah, there's a period in 2020 where they were finding Black men being strung up from trees around the country. And they were, they were saying they believed it was a suicide or what have mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I literally had to post to all of my friends on Facebook, I'm emotionally fine. If you find me strung up from a tree, uh, it wasn't suicide. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that there are a lot of other people other than um, people of color who can identify what it's like to leave the comfort of your home with that sitting in the back of your mind Mm -hmm. is today the day. And what do you say to people who say, well, this is Massachusetts, this is Hingham, that couldn't happen here? Uh, For the most part, you know, I would say I I believe them. (laughs) (laughs) But most of my incidences with racial epithets have happened in New England. Hmm. We, we may be a seemingly liberal state as a whole. And I think for the most part, what I've seen over the, the last year, especially in the state of Massachusetts, has been has given me hope hmm. that we're writ large trying to do a better job than or trying to set an example for the country. And and I see that through a series of allies within my own community. I think right now there are a lot of people who are really struggling to understand what it means to be anti-racist. Mm. And there are some people who are doing a really good job. And there are others who are, you know, just offering reasons as to why they can't possibly be racist. I think I struggle to have patience is when people will make presumptions about opportunities based on the color of your skin. You know, I work in a space where I am without a doubt one of the only. I mean, in fact, our outdoor lifestyle shop is one of two black owned outdoor lifestyle shops in the country. Wow. There are maybe a total of five black owned businesses, maybe six in the sort of outdoor lifestyle space. I've lived my life in the space of the only for my entire life. Mm -hmm. My business partner is half Nicaraguan and half Dutch, first generation. And the lens in which we view the world is certainly one in which we're 
we're far more aware mm-hmm. of a whole bunch of things. But we never want to be thought of as having gotten here as a result of our ethnicity or the color of our skin. We're here because we love what we do. Yeah. And we're good at it. People will say, why aren't you like shouting that from the rooftops that you're a black owned business? And it's because we have to calculate whether or not it will get in the way of our credibility as being knowledgeable in the space. Mm. As being a, a black male, there is inevitably always question of, well, you ski, why would you know that? You know, it certainly happens when I mountain bike and I'll be stopped or something and somebody will come up and, and they won't, I don't think there's anything intentional about it, but the first thing they'll ask is, do you know where you're going? Hmm. If it's Wampatuck, like, yeah, <laughs> I live here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's an unfortunate reality. Mm. But it's so baked into people. For the most part, I'm I'm fine. I think that in 2021, the hardest part for me is just is seeing how my girls, you know, who are biracial girls, my two older girls are 17 and 14, and they have had to reconcile their race in ways that I never would have thought they would have to do in 2021. You know, they, they get to live in a veritable utopia that is Hingham, Massachusetts, but they too find themselves in the space of the only. Often, my 17-year-old daughter who's, you know, a, planning on applying to colleges for musical theater, she's white and she's black. And so, you know, she finds herself in between a lot. Hmm. So when people talk about this notion of privilege, all of the schools that my daughter is looking at are now being looked at through a lens of how they are dealing with race. That's not a criteria that really almost any of the other kids in Hingham are having to consider. Mm. So there are a series of schools that she thought she was absolutely going to apply to. Great program. And then she did a little digging and was like, well, I can knock that school off my list. And that's a missed opportunity. Mm. And if you had asked me two or three years ago, if that was something that my daughter was going to have to confront, never in a million years would I have said like, well, of course not. Yeah. Like she's just going to go to the best school. But now it it's a question of what is the best school that's going to embrace a student like her? Mm. It's not fair at all. There's nothing I can do about it. But to have, you know, 17 and 14 year old daughters have to confront that, it breaks my heart. Yeah. What's the page turn for you? But one thing that gave me hope this past year was the amount of Black Lives Matter placards that I saw on people's front yards or flags in unexpected places. Hmm. And because I know the makeup of how few people of color there are in this part of the South Shore, almost all of those 
were from white people. Mm. Hard conversations are being had. Podcasts like Nice White Parents are helpful. There are teachers actively trying to teach kids to be anti-racist. It doesn't mean that it doesn't still happen or that there's still not some free-flowing use of things like the N-word. The page turn for me is that it seems like there are at least more people who are really trying to get America to be the promise that they make or that it makes. And Mm. I have to hope that people can look at whether or not it's me Mm. or my daughters and look at them solely for the spirit of who they are and not at all as a representation of the color of their skin but to actually see the beauty in people of color. Yeah, yeah. If we can do those well, if we can treat each other well, I think we'll be okay. If you like this way of getting to know your community better, subscribe and write us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Next up, a teenager leading by example. One, two, three, four. My name is Jamie Grillo. I go to Thayer Academy. My mother's a special education teacher in Hingham. So what did yesterday mean to you? To me, it meant the return of normalcy. For some reason, I think I've become more attracted to the basic workings of government. And yesterday was about as traditional as you could get. And I really appreciated the fact that we actually had a peaceful transition of power as opposed to what some people were were saying was going to happen yesterday. Yeah. For me, it's not waking up and holding my breath when I see the news. I think that's what I'm ready for. What do you think the work is that needs to be done? I think the work falls on two different age groups. I think it falls on adults to educate their own children, to educate others around them who are younger, to stay involved civically, because the only way we can have civic engagement is if it starts young. Mm -hmm. I think Trump absolutely got people out. I mean, we had record voter turnout in 2018 and 2020, and he brought out people who would never have voted otherwise, no matter what side you're on. And that's amazing. We have people who can get other people out there and involved in voting and taking action in their local community, but it comes down to educating people on that. And I think that falls on my generation, the generation above me, and the generation that's going to be below me. Hmm. Getting involved, talking to each other, staying involved on a local issue, be it building a firehouse or raising property taxes to pay for different schooling. So long as your voice is out there and saying something, you know that you're doing all you can to push for things that are going to better your your local community. And those are the discussions that affect our day-to-day lives and they're the ones that are going to continue to affect our communities in the next 10, 20, 30 years, more so than any type of Democratic or Republican politics. We pause here to go from politics to faith and a peddler in the hope business. Let's listen. I am the Reverend Tim Skank. I am the rector of the Episcopal Parish of St. John the Evangelist here in Hingham. And I've been here, boy, since 2009. How do you see this moment in time? Well, so far, 2021 feels a lot like 2020. Just so far, I mean, if you think about the Wednesdays, we've had insurrection, we've had impeachment, we've had inauguration. So I don't know what next Wednesday is going to bring, but uh, (laughs) that's an awful lot. But I do think that there is a tremendous amount of hope. Now, granted, I'm in the hope business, but still there's 
There's hope for a vaccine. There's hope for an end to all of the division and the rancor. There's hope for accountability and reconciliation. Hope, I think, that will emerge from this time with some newfound priorities about what really matters in life. Mm -hmm. I think that so much has been revealed in 2020. Not that it wasn't there before, but things like economic inequality and self-interest and systemic racism. My hope is that we won't just automatically move on, mm. but that we'll continue to wrestle with, with some of the deep, deep pain and deep issues in this country and that we have the courage to, to face it, even if that means giving something up, whether that's power or privilege. It's interesting. You say there's a lot of hope. There's hope, hope, hope. When we've watched the last few Wednesdays and, you know, beyond and George Floyd and when we see all this horror, what is it that helps you believe there's so much hope? I guess what gives me hope are fresh voices, new voices, voices that embody Mm hope and and possibility. And so I'm thinking specifically about that young poet that we heard from Amanda Gorman. Mm. She kept talking about this new dawn. And I just love that imagery. And so for me, I'm looking at 2021 as a new dawn. And she ended with the words, the new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light. If only we're brave enough to see it. see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. To be it. And so as this new year dawns, I guess that's the charge in, in a lot of ways. It's will we be brave enough to see it? And will we be brave enough to mm. to be it. What does that look like on a community level? Mm. I think that accountability is a really important um, piece of that. I mean, all you have to do is look at, at people's yard signs to see that uh, the, their political yard signs to see that there's there, there is a lot of division even among neighbors. But I think so much of the work that's that's ahead of us is not ignoring it, not just burying it, but at a deeper level, we have to really be able to have hard conversations with one another. And I think that's the way to true healing. Yeah. It's an interesting time for faith, right? It's, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people's faith has been tested in you know, themselves, their neighbors, the healthcare system, their government. It's an interesting time for people not to be able to gather where they pray. What has that been for you, that loss? I mean, at one level, it's heartbreaking. I mean, there's nothing virtual about faith. But on the other hand, it's also shown just how much we care for and love one another by Mm. staying apart. And so I I find great hope in that, that there is this sense of self-sacrifice for the the greater community. There's a Bible verse that I've been thinking about as I reflect on this new year and this new dawn and this new 
start in a lot of ways. It's uh, it's from Ephesians 4, and part of it says, put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. And I think that for me, that's going to be the path forward. I want to thank our producer and editor, the kind and talented Kristen Keefe. Our fabulous website is the work of Donna Mavramatis and her terrific team at Mavro Creative. And designer Tony Sutliff made our logo and other artwork. All their contact information is on our website. That's thehinghamcast.com. I'm Allie Donnelly. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon.